Hello, welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can find me at live2110.com. And you can find this video podcast on the corresponding blog post and on my YouTube channel, Wendy Live to 110. Today, we are interviewing Gary Moeller of GaryMoeller.com. He's a new friend of mine uh, that I met on the internet on, and Facebook as well. And uh, he's amazing. He is an expert in hair mineral analysis, and he uh, uses it to treat horses and humans and um, is uh, also an expert on Epstein-Barr virus and is about to embark on his doctoral degree using hair mineral analysis. So so the focus of the podcast today will be the Epstein-Barr virus and how you see that and other viruses in the hair mineral analysis and how you go about uh, correcting viruses and strengthening strengthening the body so that you are not as uh, vulnerable to the virus and its you know devastating side effects. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment that we suggest today on the show. I'm thrilled to announce my Body Bio Rehab program. You can find it and sign up at bodybiorehab.com. This is my online health program that's going to be addressing the five pillars of health. Diet, stress, exercise, sleep, and detoxification, my favorite. I wanted to develop a program for, for anyone and for my clients so that they could learn the very basic protocols and steps that they need to take to improve their health. Um, I think a lot of people aren't really clear on the basics and they read a lot of conflicting information on the internet. So I wanted to create this 30-day program that has uh, all the recipes that you need to follow the 30-day meal plans and um, has all the information that you need to follow this program and to improve your health and reverse disease. So go check it out at bodybiorehab.com. It's launching May 1st, hopefully, (laughs) if I'm lucky. Our guest today is Gary Moeller. Gary Moeller is an expert in hair mineral analysis, also known as HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis. He is regarded as unique in the way that he uses this assessment tool with elite athletes, the injured children, the elderly, infertility, and to pinpoint infections. He's an expert in adrenal fatigue, especially as it relates to athletes. Gary has more than 15 years of full-time hands-on experience working with hospital and rehabilitation services and as a professional advisor to coaches and athletes about injury management and high-performance conditioning. And I need to correct myself. He actually has 30 years experience doing that, but 15 years using hair mineral analysis. He has numerous certifications and degrees in sports medicine, hair mineral analysis, adrenal fatigue, and nutrition. And he's about to pursue his doctoral using HDMA to heal viruses like Epstein-Barr. Not to reverse them completely, but to uh, ameliorate the symptoms. Gary is an accomplished endurance athlete with a competitive career spanning 40 plus years. Teaming up with his two brothers, uh, Gordon and Bruce, they dominate the Australasian 40 plus multi-sports racing scene. Now, at 61 years of age, Gary is an unbeaten in the 60-plus age group, and he is also the top three or four 50-plus age group mountain bike racers in New Zealand, 
and he has been yet to beat in the 40 years and upwards classes in Australia. He's a very accomplished athlete. His goal is to win the World Mountain Bike Champs next year and prove he is the fittest over 60 in the world. And he feels that his use of nutritional balancing with hair analysis is the key. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I come from a, a little country town called Putaruru uh, in the central North Island of New Zealand. And we had a very much a, uh, a very natural, lovely country upbringing, barefoot living and beautiful homegrown food and uh, a very active lifestyle in the countryside exploring the paddocks around our country around our town uh, i have five brothers and sisters we uh, were certainly raised with the expectation of uh, excellence of doing very well at whatever we do and that's reflected very much in uh, my brothers and sisters who have all gone on to do very well i have a sister who lives in Pasadena, who is a, you could say, a rocket scientist, yeah. helping the uh, helping America um, explore the universe and the world. And I also have another sister who lives in Boulder, Colorado, and she is a four-time Olympian and Olympic marathon medalist. Oh, wow. Yeah, your family's and very athletic. I, and, yeah, and I'm t- chugging along, following my little sisters and my, and my other brothers and that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, I've tried to wave the flag for the family. And uh, naturally, of course, uh, when we are uh, combining science and physical exercise to the extreme, it becomes very obvious to combine the two. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, this is where my interest in exercise physiology and uh, human nutrition becomes uh, combined. Yeah. Uh, with uh, uh, physicality, and as I get older, trying to figure out how much of the decrements associated with aging are in fact uncontrollable factors, and how is actually lifestyle and nutrition the controllables? And one of the things that is really exciting me and gets me so enthusiastic is the realization that most of what we consider as uncontrollable aging is in fact. It comes down largely to nutrition, but also lifestyle. Uh, having a uh, a balance between stress and relaxation, yeah. and of course good nutrition, and that's where the hair tissue analysis comes in. Around about forty years of age, I was a typical burned out athlete. I had uh, performed it uh, at a national level. I, I was a very good athlete, but by the time I was forty combined with uh, uh, just the stresses of running a business and raising children, all that, all that sort of thing, I'd run myself completely into the dirt. Uh, when it comes to, uh, uh, I was consulting a cardiologist at the time because I had heart problems. I couldn't get my heart in an stress test above 110 beats per minute. My maximum should have been at least 180 beats per minute. 
and one test I almost collapsed and fell off the bicycle ergometer at 109 beats per minute. Wow. And uh, so I was suffering from extreme adrenal fatigue. Uh, back then, of course, there was no such thing as adrenal fatigue. Yeah, you're either completely healthy or com- on the verge of death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, yeah. In, nothing in between, which, you know, um, I, I, you know I, I bought all that yeah. back in those days. But uh, then I met um, uh, Dr. James Wilson, the adrenal fatigue uh, uh, person, and he absolutely blew my mind. And then around about 50 years of age, I was in, uh, serendipitously to the hair tissue mineral analysis, the trace nutrients one. And I, I for a few years, experimenting with myself and some of my family, including my mother, who was very ill, and I started to make some breakthroughs. And besides that, the hair tissue analysis fitted beautifully with the biochemistry and exercise physiology that I had been taught, and it started to fit together. I, of course, got on the internet and I read all the stuff about how the Hair tissue analysis was complete and utter baloney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, um, we all we all uh, run into that. We all find that that uh, horrible article on Quack Watch, which is complete <laughs> bullshit, absolute <laughs> bullshit, written by a completely ignorant person who knows nothing about hair mineral analysis. Yeah. The bane of any hair mineral analysis practitioner. <laughs> yeah, the trouble is, the trouble is. I mean, I can't. I mean, it's what is it? It's about twenty years since he wrote that article, and it is still the authoritative statement on hair analysis. And it's it's astonishing. I'd I'd hate to think, Wendy, how many people uh, who have come to me for help, who have made a start and then quit because they've read it, and probably their doctors read it as well. And it and these subtle, these things, you know, I mean, like you're saying, yeah, it's crap, but it still serves to plant a kernel of doubt. And restoring health and changing bad habits and so on is it's a very very long slow process. I I, I put it to the analogy with older people in particular that they're a little bit like a rusty old super tanker. That's uh, at sea in stormy weather, and the command is given by you or me to make a 180-degree turn. And the old machine, the tanker, <laughs> it shudders and it creaks and it groans and, uh, you know, it springs a few leaks. And half an hour later, the thing's only just starting to turn, and it's a huge effort to turn that super tanker around. On the other hand, when I'm dealing with children, I will use the analogy that their children are a little bit like uh, jet boats. In other words, if you get it right and you get the you give the command to turn 180 degrees, and if you get it right, they will just go like that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas us older ones, you know, we've got, you know, 40, 50, 60 years of doing all the wrong things. And the problem is, is that it's a big effort to turn around. Yeah. And 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 when you get these rubbishy so-called pseudo experts who know nothing about the test, they have no idea of how to interpret it. 
They have no idea of the, the limitations of the test or the uh, wonders, the goldmine of information in the test. Uh, what they do is they tend to undermine things. Yeah. So anyway, hey, what do we do? We just box on. But hey, I'm doing something else. Yeah, well, let's talk about well, let's talk about the infections. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something else? Yes, well, I was going to say I had a meeting with a, a professor in sports and human nutrition yesterday, and uh, he was enthusiastic enough to come from another city to sit down and spend most of the morning with me. And uh, what we have agreed to do is I'm going to be doing a doctorate, uh, looking at the hair tissue analysis and part of doing a doctorate of course is being very smart and making sure that you pick the simplest and the easiest uh, uh, topic to be able to gain the thing the worst thing is to try and do too much yeah. <laughs> otherwise you end up spending your entire lifetime trying to get it now of course the thing is is that uh, I've got I think I've got plenty of good qualifications but the trouble is it doesn't have that doctor behind it Mm-hmm. And I need to get the secret handshake, you know, the password, yeah. <laughs> uh, to be able to enter the hallowed halls of medicine. And then my words of wisdom will be taken seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the tactic. Well, yeah, I love. Yeah. yeah, I love that you're going to be pursuing a doctorate in a, in uh, in, a, in information that uses hair mineral analysis. I love that. We need more well, information about hair mineral analysis and studies and research. Well, yes, and uh, one of the things that does strike me about the uh, the hair tissue analysis, uh, like I've been I've been uh, using it now for it's almost fourteen years, I think, something like that, Wendy. And every time I do a hair tissue test, I'm excited because I learn more. I'm constantly learning. And it's it's this wonderful it's it's like a box of chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every time you know, every time I dip in, it's sort of I learn something else and yeah. I get another insight. And you know, it's I can't think of any other um, any other tests that are just so full of information. The problem is is that it's still regarded by uh, here in New Zealand anyway by mainstream medicine as quackery. Um, there, there. Um, I have, I have a standing invitation. I always say to patients, please take your report to your doctor, to your specialist, and they are most welcome to ring me. Um, they can come and see me. They can do whatever. Just leave an invitation open to them. They can come and see me. And I will explain my findings and how it relates to their particular health issue. And I won't charge a cent for my time. Um, Okay? That invitation has never been taken up. I've I've actually sat down, like, with my mother's GP, (laughs) okay, who used to do chelation therapy, medical chelation. And I have taken all of my mother's reports. My mother was very, very ill. She shouldn't be alive now. She's alive and kicking and living on her own. And this is since 2007 when I first started uh, using the nutritional therapy on her. She's still alive. And she is now 85 years of age and living on her own. Now, I've sat down with her doctor and showed her this and this and this. And 
looks at it and sort of like, okay, we'll move on now. <laughs> so it's astonishing. I've had uh, medical specialists who will refuse to look at the, not even look at it, say, I'm not even looking at it. Don't even want to see the charts. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. So the only way I think around it is um, we need to, rather than appear to be fighting this, is to basically join the fold, yeah. become yeah. one of them. Yes. Yeah. And to be able to speak with authority and credibility, even though I think all the evidence is there already. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an enormous amount of research that's been done on uh, the interpretation of the hair tissue test and so on. Uh, of course, it's never-ending. It needs to continue. I'm going to add to it. Yeah. Yeah, good. So, I'm excited. I, I'm excited. Yeah, I love how you say that a hair test is like a box of chocolates because I get really excited every time a client's hair test come ba- comes back, and and I I love to see really strange hair tests to see what's uh, yes. what's going on with this person and learn more and more every time I get a new test. Very yes. interesting. Yes, certainly. You're going to ask me about infection. Yes, yes. Well, um, yes. this show the topics on infection and. Sure. Uh, we're going to talk about general infections in the body, really any type of infection. But you're yes. you're particularly interested in Epstein Barr virus. Um, can I you said, talk yeah. a little bit about what that is and its prevalence in the population? Yes. Well, it's uh, it's a member of the herpes family. Uh, there are uh, there are several different uh, forms of uh, the herpes virus, uh, such as all sort, uh, genital herpes, and so on. Uh, and uh, the one which I'm most interested is the Epstein-Barr virus. They're present in about 90% of the population. Just about every single one of us has been exposed to us, exposed to it during their lifetime. Now, um, it's, uh, it's characterised, uh, by the way, many people get the virus and never know they've ever had it. Uh, at the most, they might perhaps get a sore throat, be a bit fluey. They might think that they've had the flu for example, or perhaps a dose of the mumps, it, it's easily mistaken. Now, a number of people uh, are affected quite badly, and they may end up in bed for one or two weeks, maybe even a month, uh, with uh, extreme fatigue, swollen glands, particularly affecting uh, the the neck and the, the throat, uh, uh, inflamed uh, in the back of the throat, and aching joints, headaches, and so on. Medically, there's nothing that can be done. Uh, oh, the liver and the spleen uh, can be very inflamed and swollen, almost to the point where there is a risk of spleen rupture mm-hmm. through even minor trauma. So we're talking about it is a major infection. However, there's no medical treatment for it available. The only treatment that is advised is rest plus analgesics, uh, painkillers and anti-inflammatories, which, by the way, I think is the worst thing you can do because uh, those medications are extremely toxic on the liver. And so when somebody has an inflamed, diseased liver, the worst thing you can do is give them a medication which is highly toxic to the liver. However, that's the treatment. Yeah. At present, okay. So I'm not 
I, I, I don't like that. The other thing, just as a little aside, fever. Why does your body have fever? Your body has fever because it's one of the immune responses to infection. One of the ways your body gets rid of fever, it gets rid of um, uh, uh, viruses and uh, harmful bacteria as it tries to cook them. And so your body will take the temperature right up to the point where it's doing harm to you, to yourself, but it's uh, in the process it is destroying those pathogens that have invaded the body. If you then take an anti-inflammatory, in a lot of ways you're undoing that process. You're actually sure you're giving relief. You're getting rid of the fever, the headaches, the sweats. and In some ways, you're actually allowing that bug to take hold. What we should be doing is we should be going for the kill. And so that's just a little aside, but I think it's really important because when, if you if you look at the treatment for glandular fever, uh, or for any major viral infection, it's all about controlling the fever, and we shouldn't be. We should. Uh, the only thing we should be doing is making sure that the fever doesn't get to the point where we're actually destroying ourselves, harming ourselves. But if it's uh, manageable, if it's uh, below that threshold, then fine. You let it run its course. And can you yeah. see this infection in a hair mineral analysis? Absolutely. Um, when you, um, I will, I'm going to cover, so if you have a look on this uh, hair tissue analysis here, what you see with this person here, see the elevated column? Yes. So the general lie of the land is low here, and the first thing that you look for is you see elevated copper. Yeah. Uh, copper is regulated by the liver. And when you get liver dysfunction, damage to the liver, um, what will tend to happen is copper will tend to accumulate in the body. Mm. And so that's the first thing that we see. Now, however, you won't see that until well down the track. So the, the one I showed you is a few years ago. The person had Epstein-Barr in 2012, and this is a 2015 test. Yeah. So what we are seeing is what I'm, and, and this is what my doc, I'm thinking my doctorate is going to be on. You see, that medically, we um, the, the, the person goes through an acute stage, and that might be one or two months, and then they're told that um, they can then resume activity and everything will be peachy creamy, hunky-dory, and get on with life. However, there is a subsection of people who have had, of that 90% who have had Epstein-Barr who I believe never recover. And I think that the Epstein-Barr virus is possibly the theory of everything. If you look at all the diseases that are, that are, that come across your across your desk, fibromyalgia, um, fatigue, underactive thyroid, adrenal fatigue, uh, arthritis, osteoporosis. Then there's all the um, all the diseases such uh, 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 such as uh, menorrhagia, heavy painful, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, uh, uh, and 
even getting into eating disorders, bulimia, uh, um, anorexia. They are all associated, um, and also things like PMS, anxiety, depression. They are all very closely associated with uh, elevated copper on the hair tissue test and suppression of uh, other elements such as uh, potassium, uh, abnormalities with zinc. Um, oh, by the way, things like stretch marks, mm, yeah. the zinc copper elements. Uh, high, high copper will create a relative imbalance of zinc, between copper and zinc, uh, with the result that you get a, uh, a dysfunction, a cross-linking of collagen. So you end up with weak collagen. In other words, skin will tear, premature aging of the skin. Um, and also conditions in athletes like tibial compartment syndrome, tendonitis, uh, lax ligament, um, the, so you get all of this downstream stuff and it is, if you look at all the elements that are affecting us today so much of it links back to that uh, to the role of copper in the body and the uh, combined with other things as well uh, and also as copper, as copper goes up uh, you get the suppression of sodium and potassium and calcium goes through the roof Calcium moves out of the bones, it moves into the soft tissues. Calcium uh, is sedating, it makes people very, very tired. It's awful for the skin. Just think of getting a whole lot of chalk and pasting it all over your face. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> see how your skin feels. Yeah, it's not good. And uh, and so I don't, I don't know whether this makes sense to you, Wendy, but it just fits with so many of the elements that come across my table. However, very often, what is high, what is low, is high, and vice versa. When we're looking at the hair tissue test, I feel a little um, uneasy talking to you about this, Wendy, because you know so much about the hair tissue test mm-hmm. that it's almost intimidating when I read all of your all of your work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm 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 a bit of a virgin on this stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm learning, so I, I, I'm telling you how to. How to suck eggs, if, yeah. they, if you know the expression. <laughs> so anyway, very often, and this is so fascinating, we will get somebody who's got symptoms of copper toxicity. They'll have things like, um, you know, the relative imbalance of, uh, of uh, for example, silver stretch marks, um, uh, little spots on their fingernails, zinc deficiency, uh, and uh, they will have... Uh, Adrenal fatigue, hypothyroidism. On the hair tissue test, they'll have elevated copper, depressed um, depressed potassium, low manganese, elevated chromium on the hair on the test, and so on. All the indica and low copper. And then when we look at we look at ratios, we start to see hidden copper. Maybe they've got low copper on the hair tissue test but actually copper is just building up deep in their body and just uh, wreaking havoc on their health. And that uh, is why I, I'm so, I just love this test yeah. because here we are, we've got somebody, we we look at it and if, we, if, if we're like that guy on Quack Watch, he'll start giving them copper 
okay? Yeah. If you were to read that, yeah, pile of copper in, okay? Yeah, yeah. And actually making matters worse. And that's, I think, one reason why, the, by the way, why the test does get a bad rap because you get um, uh, self-appointed experts who haven't got a clue how to interpret this test. It takes years and years of study to figure this test out. Yes, it and does. And to understand yeah. that sometimes when low is low, low is actually high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so counterintuitively, if somebody, for example, has got high calcium, low potassium, if they've got a bit of, uh, uh, bit of mercury, if their sodium-potassium ratio is out, uh, um, where... Uh, you might uh, and and the copper's low. It actually means the copper's high. Yeah, I know yeah, you know this. Yeah. You know this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but, that's that copper conundrum, and I see yeah. this in yeah. most people's hair tests. They have a slowed metabolism, and they've got yes. tons of copper in their body. All kinds of copper mm-hmm. symptoms. You know, you yeah. have to correlate the tests with the the health history and people's symptoms. And it's very very common. Yes. People, I can tell they're very copper toxic, but have very low copper levels on a test. So, is the high copper level the only way to see if someone has Epstein Barr virus in the hair mineral analysis? Well, again, uh, we have to, one of the things which I think is very important and uh, is that we need to, this is where a, uh, where you need to be consulting an experienced clinician. And what the clinician needs to be doing is looking at this test, but more importantly, they've got to be looking at the patient and they've got to be asking the right questions. They need to be taking a really good health history. They need to be looking at the person um, uh, and also even looking at their family and seeing what sort of health history is uh, is around uh, is, is within, uh, within their family and also affecting the person. I think one of the things is I will look at these tests and I will think, uh-huh, maybe, maybe. But then I'll sit down with the person, I'll look at them very closely I'll look and I'll look at their tongues. I'll look for I'll look at their look at their teeth, look at their skin, look at their nails, uh, and uh, look very closely at their eyes. One of the most valuable tests, uh, sorry, courses I have ever done was a course in the uh, um, uh, in the in facial diagnostics, mm. where uh, a course where basically you look at, if somebody's in good health. Here's the thing. Wendy, you look stunning. Okay? <laughs> you, look you. In, you look in wonderful health, okay? Yeah. And uh, I'm sure it's not just the camera. No. You know, it's my makeup. It's my makeup job. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look you look you look wonderfully healthy, okay? Now, the question is, and this is what we should all be asking, is why? Why does she look healthy? What is it? It's something about her eyes, it's something about her face. There's something there. And what these doctors did many years ago when they didn't have all these sophisticated tests and MRIs and this and that is they looked closely at you. Nowadays, your doctor looks quickly, then it's in the computer working out the prescription, okay? Mm -hmm. But what we should be doing is we should be looking. Now, if somebody is unwell, they look unwell, don't they? Now, why? What is it about them that makes them look unwell? Okay, somebody's got purple bags under their eyes, but the next person has got dark grey ones. Somebody might have black notches. The eyes might be a little sunken or they might be protruding. 
they all tell something. If the tongue is cracked, um, if it's covered in white stuff, if it's green or yellow or brown, if, uh, for well, a classic, of course, is that if somebody smells, their breath smells like acetone, that tells you they're probably diabetic. So there's a lot to, uh, just from observing. Now, what we need to so what I do is I look at those things. I look at the person very carefully. Then I look at the test, which I've studied earlier on, but then I look at the test and I see, okay, this person has got um, high copper but high iron. And they, here's, here's the other thing you see. They, they, they may have a viral infection, but they might also have a bacterial infection. And one of the things that when by looking at people, you can pick up telltale signs of different things going on in the person and then relate it to the test. So with this person, for example, which I showed you, his iron was surprisingly high consider he, considering he had high copper. So when copper goes up, iron normally goes right down because of their antagonistic effects. So that's why uh, women with high levels of copper tend to have problems with heavy periods. Or if a woman has an IUD placed in her, uh, she will probably have high, heavy, painful periods. And that's because of copper's antagonistic effect on iron. And so iron is shoved out of the body. However, if somebody's got a bacterial infection, even if they've got high copper, iron is retained in the body. It's stored in the liver and the spleen and also in the muscles and joints and, and, and the bones. And uh, that's called infectious anemia. So high iron on the blood, uh, high iron in the hair tissue test, low iron in blood tests. Yeah. And then we look at that. But the Epstein-Barr thing, of course, I will ask people to go away and get a blood test to see whether or not they have the antibodies. And the antibodies will show up after the active infection. The other thing that will tend to happen is that, and I, I don't, I, I won't show any examples of this, but when, so if we take somebody who's got the, um, got active glandular fever, the damage is being done right then to the liver and spleen. And it won't show up in the hair tissue test as elevated copper. What, it will, what we will see is normal. However, it's interesting uh, that we may see other signs like uh, uh, extremely high zinc. The body uh, mobilizes zinc into the circulation in response to a viral infection and possibly fungal or yeast infections as well. Um, uh, zinc and selenium are antivirals. And so when somebody has an active, uh, an active viral infection, what happens is zinc is mobilized from the stores and it will show up as very elevated in the hair tissue test. Now, however, we've got to be careful because we need to be careful that it's not contamination from shampoo. Yeah. Because zinc and selenium are often added to shampoo as uh, anti-dandruff. Yeah, head and shoulder shampoo has a lot of zinc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have we have head and shoulders over here too, and yes. Yeah, so we have to be wary of that. 
to make sure that uh, they didn't inadvertently contaminate the hair sample. But you but can tell. I mean, it's, it's sky high. Yeah. I mean, you can tell yeah. immediately if someone is using anti-dandruff shampoo. Yeah. Now, if they haven't and, and the zinc is sky high and they've got all the signs and symptoms of a viral infection, then you have to suspect that it's actually zinc being mobilized from the body stores. And, uh, and, and I've been able to confirm that by doing multiple tests on people with elevated zinc and making sure that from the, from the very outset, there's been no anti-dandruff shampoos anywhere. And, and if that's done over uh, one or two years, and if you get the same pattern and they've got these uh, persistent uh, viral infections, then you get uh, a confirmation uh, of that. And uh, let's face it as well, the modern diet is incredibly low in zinc. Yeah, and so, everyone's avoiding red meat uh, because Western <laughs> medicine has said avoid red meat, yeah. and that's one of the only sources of zinc. You get a little bit of nuts, but yes. not a lot. Well, you know, just going back a little bit, Wendy, and I, I don't know how we're going for time and that, but when I was a little boy in the 1950s and 60s, we ate everything. By the way, there wasn't enough food to go around. We, we I, That's the one thing I resent about my mother. Yeah. You know, five brothers and sisters, and there was never enough pudding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but plenty of zinc, right? <laughs> yes, because nothing was wasted. Yeah. So we had every every week, we would have things like liver, kidney, uh, sheep brains, ox tongue, you know, and so on and so on. Uh, you know, the bones would be put into the pot and boiled up and that would become broths and soups and that sort of thing. Uh, hey, my grandmother, she yeah. used to give us this rancid cod liver oil whenever we went <laughs> visit, you know, down our throats, you know. <laughs> you know yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and the uh, look, when I went to university, early 1970s, in the hostel, they served liver and kidney and black pudding, you know, which is basically blood sausages. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Now, I'll tell you what, if they did that today, there would be a food riot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, in fact, there would, be a gov- there would be a government commission of inquiry. Okay? How dare they serve those things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, nowadays, it's chicken. And, hey, what's in chicken? Other, you know, if you go beyond the protein, there's nothing nutritious. Yeah. Other than the protein, yeah. you know, there's no. Forget about the trace minerals and all the wonderful um, uh, fat-soluble vitamins. You know, vitamins A, D, E, and K, which are all have antiviral properties. By the way, um, we've taken all of those things out of the, out of our out of our food. You know, you know, good on the fat-free revolution. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know that's why I tell clients to eat, eat liver yeah. every week. Eat foie gras, yeah. liver. You got to choke it down. Put it in chili, <laughs> whatever you got to do. That there's, there's wisdom in how our grandparents ate, eating liver at least once a week. Of course. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. but if it's 99% fat free, it's got to be good for you, yeah. Wendy. Yeah. They've been told that by the experts. Okay? Yeah, play. Yeah. Leave the food industry. Yes, but we know better. Yes. Okay. But there is a problem, of course. Um, the trouble is, is that we've been so spoiled nowadays that uh, many people are just not going to eat those things. And they all say to me, oh, Gary, I've tried. I just can't eat the liver. And uh, is there an alternative? And I'll say, yes, there is. I can give you a pill. Yeah. 
and they'll say, bring it on. Okay, so that's where the supplements come in. If you, if, you know, hey, back in the 1950s and that, you know, when we composted our food out into the vegetable garden, the animals were recycled straight in. Uh, we went and got seaweed from the ocean and put it on our put it on our soils and so on and so on. Uh, we did, probably didn't need supplements the way we need them today. You know, we've, we've, I think, destroyed the food chain. And the end result with all of these things, of course, is that we are now sitting ducks for viruses, infections across the board. And, and so, um, like uh, Wendy, uh, just talking about Epstein, uh, talking about these things, when, uh, if I go back and have a look at my school photos from the 1960s, I can't see a single case of acne in my in my school photos. Yeah. Uh, there were pimples, but not acne. That I can, I can, there some people got acne really bad, but I can't see a single one in my school. The other thing is, in, a, in my secondary school of 750 pupils, I know of only one asthmatic. She was in my class. Okay, now it's sort of like one in five. Um, if we look at uh, glandular fever, there were a few cases, but there were only one or two that I of of where people got smashed by glandular fever. Now it's one of the most common things that I see today. It's incredible, and you look also at things like um, autism, um, uh, hyperactivity, and so on. Um, out of those seven hundred and fifty pupils, I can't, I I'd never seen an autistic person. Now, at my youngest son's, uh, when he went through primary school several years ago, it seemed every class had one. Yeah. Unbelievable. And so what's going on? I think it's all to do with our diet. Might be a little bit to do with perhaps too many vaccinations as well, but let's stay away from that. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. My, my daughter was vaccine injured and developed autism, so I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, look... Um, you know what, Wendy? I don't know about over the, over there, but in my thirty years, I have never succeeded in getting a medical injury reported onto the government's official database, the Centers for Adverse Reactions in Medicine. Okay, it's almost impossible. Uh, I've, I've I've failed completely in being able to uh, get adverse reactions, including vaccine reactions, reported. Mm, yeah. Now, from a scientist's point of view, if you are going to say that this procedure is totally safe and very effective, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to have accurate statistics to work from. If you cannot, if you as a parent, like, I, like if you are pretty certain that your daughter, if you can show a cause and effect that uh, your daughter, your daughter's health deteriorated within days or weeks of receiving a medical procedure, were you able to report that? Did you get that onto an official database, Wendy? You know, I didn't because uh, it was very difficult to establish that. I just noticed yeah. within a few weeks that my yeah. daughter wasn't responding. Uh, she just kind of had more of a blank stare and it's just very vague yeah. it could be attributable attributable to anything really yes so. however if enough people report then you'll be able to start seeing as you get the 
more and more reported, you then can start to see a pattern that you get um, and that you get a a bulge in reports of uh, ill health or what have you within two weeks or one month or two months of a certain procedure. And that's but the trouble is, is that if you can't even report it, if you can't get it onto any sort of database, then the procedure, of course, is going to be totally safe and totally effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? But from a uh, from a, a skeptic's point of view, you've got to ask the question: Well, yeah, you know, uh, of course it's a non-issue because it's not been reported. Yeah. We don't have we don't have accurate stats to work from. Yeah. Now, um, uh, so uh, if we take Epstein-Barr doesn't get reported. Mm-hmm. Okay. People, uh, so people suffer it. They're told they're going to get better. And then we have this flow of people coming through with thyroid problems, um, uh, problems with uh, their monthly periods and so on and so on. And I start looking and I see this common pattern. And the thing is, we've got to ask, well, what's the root cause? Now, we've talked about some things. Our, our our nutrient deficient diet sets us up as sitting ducks for viral infections for a start, and then we've got this disease Epstein Barr, which we know inflames and damages the liver in a number of people. Then we do this hair tissue test, and we notice that all the people coming through complaining of aching joints, fatigue, depression, and so on and so on. Uh, ha- seem to have this pattern of either either overt copper overload or hidden copper, which, by the way, once you do the right nutritional strategies, that copper can suddenly start poking its head above the parapet, and we spot it, and it's a confirmation. So that's the thing which I want to study more, is to see whether or not maybe it is the Epstein-Barr virus, which affects 90% of the population, maybe its effect is not so much that it that you get this acute thing and then it goes into dormancy, and every now and then it might just do a little puff. puff. I think it's more like rust in your chassis. You can't see it, but it's just quietly going about chewing away. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because the the yeah. common theory is that these viruses are opportunistic, and when the mm. host becomes under stress, then it rears its head up. Yeah, but what's it doing in the meantime? Is it just sitting there, you know, twiddling its thumbs? Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> well, you know, just yeah. I I think in a number of people, it's just chewing away. However, it might just be that the damage to the liver has been so great that uh, that in itself becomes an ongoing issue. So if someone has, so say you see these, uh, these, you know, levels in the hair test that show they might have a viral infection, uh, what, and they confirm they do testing, what can someone do? Uh, how do you resolve Epstein-Barr with a nutritional program? Yes. Okay, um, there's, there's a couple of approaches, and I'm working through. Once I have my PhD, I'll know a lot more, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I, I do two things. Uh, uh, first of all, we I just I just try to do this nutritional balancing, right? So uh, so what we're trying to do is is just simply support the thyroid, adrenal, uh, get um, uh, uh, basically get the person into a healthy state. By the way, 
so many people, uh, uh, you know, I'll say, so do you salt your food? And Wendy will reply, no, no, of course not. And I look at it, and, uh, and if I look at this one, sodium only six on this chart. It could be as high as 30, and you still don't have a salt overload. Yeah. Sodium. Mm-hmm. We're talking about sodium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how the don't salt your food message has been, it's been discredited at least for at least 10 years now. Yeah. That it, it, only, it, it, it only applies to a few percent in the population. Yeah. The vast majority of us actually need more salt. However, uh, I explain, a multi-mineral salt. Okay? Yeah. All of these minerals that are listed on this here tissue test, do you want a multi-mineral salt that has all of these, including sodium? Yeah. Yes, you do. Most people, most people don't have it, and so no wonder they're tired. If you, if there isn't enough sodium, uh, they're going to, they're going to be in an exhausted state. They're going to have brain fog. They're going to ache. They're going to get osteoporosis, and so on. You know, so they need, they need sodium along with all the other minerals. Yeah, I actually have clients do an adrenal cocktail every night where they have some natural calm magnesium and add a bunch of salt to it and add some potassium bicarbonate or whatnot and uh, drink that up, give their adrenals tons of food. Yes, that's right. Yes, and uh, so we have have that, uh, all of these things, and we've been fed so much, so many cobblers uh, about nutrition that um, one of the first things in getting helping somebody to get well is to try and uh, overcome this brainwashing, this constant message from the authorities, the experts, the professors and so on, saying, don't salt your food, cut out salt, white death, blah, blah, blah. You know, don't eat eggs. Yeah. Eggs are high cholesterol, <laughs> they're going to kill you. Yeah. Um, and so on, ignoring the fact that, you know, you eliminate all the fats, you eliminate all the fat-soluble vitamins, which straight away means you're a sitting duck for viral infections. Yeah. So the first thing is nutritional balancing and and also uh, looking at liver support, uh, things like milk thistle, uh, lipoic acid, glutathione. I'm sure that as a therapist, Wendy, you have your particular approach to um, uh, to liver support. I always start with milk thistle. Yeah. Uh, if uh, we have uh, a woman who's got, um, looks like they're having problems with um, metabolizing uh, estrogen, I might add in DIM. Yeah. And don't ask me to pronounce the chemical name for it. I get t- tongue tied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> DIM, for example, you know, uh, uh, vitamin C, not too much, but vitamin C, zinc, and, uh, um, uh, chromium, manganese. Uh, mineral antagonists of, uh, of copper, uh, but the main thing is liver support. One of the things which I am, and also, uh, and, and talking about liver, one of the things which I am most excited about is systemic enzymes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, uh, basically the, the main is main one seropeptase, uh, which is of course cultivated from bacteria found in the gut of the silkworm. And what it does, it selectively um, dissolves away old scar tissue. I use it with athletes for helping to heal injuries. Yeah, I give it to clients that have fibroids. Yeah, well, also, um, 
give it to people who have liver dysfunction, mm-hmm. particularly if they have had, definitely if they've had glandular fever or any any uh, anything that may have caused scarring of the liver. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, that's what I'm really excited about is being able to rejuvenate the liver. Um, another uh, set of substances that may be very exciting as well for the liver is tocotrienols. Mm. Uh, and uh, I'm rather thrilled. I'm, 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 I'm cautious, but I'm at the same time excited about the possibilities of these things. Um, I, I, I'm always cautious. I don't always just sort of jump in boots and all. I will enthusiastically go with something, but watch it very carefully and see whether or not I can get a measurable response from it. And I'm, I'm excited about tocotrienols because uh, oh, it's a, it's a, uh, the members of the vitamin E family, and they may there is some evidence that they also have a rejuvenating effect on uh, liver cirrhosis, which is what we're talking about, and maybe also bergamot. Uh, so I'm playing around with those things, and the other thing is going for. Um, and and again, looking at ways of keeping viruses under control. And the main thing I use is lysine. And that it's for a start, it's very cheap, which my patients absolutely love. And I will give them uh, reasonably high doses of lysine to start with and do that maybe for about three months and then back off a little. Uh, but keep ongoing lysine because of lysine's um, uh, effect on viruses. It's, uh, it is uh, probably most known as a cold sore remedy. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the cold sore is a member of the herpes family. And so uh, it's still too early to be able to say, but I'm hoping that what that will do is that will just help keep the virus locked down mm-hmm. and not doing uh, causing mischief. So can so you can you eradicate Epstein Barr? Are you just aiming to keep it under control? Apparently not. Um, there is a um, there is a, a, a antiviral drug, uh, Aclavor, I think it's called. I, I don't know whether I pronounced it right, but that's how I pronounce it over here. You know, we speak English correctly here, by the way. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yes, so Aclavor. However, it's horrifically expensive and. There's still debate about whether or not it is effective. Okay, but it, it needs to be taken for the best part of a year or two. And it's thousands of dollars a month. Yeah, so, however, um, I'm not, that's an area I'm going to stick purely to the nutrition science of things. And maybe there'll be a vaccine or another vaccine, but, you know, uh, maybe there'll be a vaccine or um, the vaccines a wonder will save drug. Us. They're going to save us, the vaccines. Yeah, those trillions (laughs) of different viruses and bacteria and all those other ones. God, just imagine the profitability of, you know, and every time (laughs) they mutate, it's a new new vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And bother, you know, I mean, look, in the end, hey, uh, you don't have to have vaccines to be healthy. I think that's the message that we should be sending to all parents. The key to good health is nutrition. Okay, as 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 
with this hair tissue test is just having all of those nutrients nicely within the reference range. Yes. So when you're looking for the perfect man or perfect woman, do a hair tissue test on them. And if their nutrients are beautifully balanced within all the reference ranges, then you've got a winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's I actually... I actually had a, a client, uh, the only perfect hair test I've seen on a first hair one. test. It was unbelievable. I'll send it to I, you. Unbelievable. I haven't found one yet. I've done over yeah. 900 of these. Yeah, I, I found a looking. perfect. It was However, perfect. of course, my partner, um, well, well, I've got to be careful that she understands she is perfect. But Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so the nutritional, uh, I think the nutritional balancing is, is, is the key to things with throwing in a little bit of antiviral stuff. Yeah. Are there yeah. any other antiviral supplements that you'd like to give people to keep it under control? The Epstein well, the, bar? It's the use of uh, the various minerals, zinc, selenium, they're, they're, they're the two most obvious. Uh, and then things like vitamin C, the fat soluble vitamins. Those, are, those would be the main ones. And I'm still looking, by the way. You may have some other suggestions. Yeah, um, I've heard black, but, black elderberry is a very potent antiviral that right. prevents viral replication. Yeah. Uh, some things here, here in New Zealand are not as readily available as might be over there. And uh, uh, one of the things that blows me away when I look over in the United States is, my God, you've got everything. <laughs> we're, we're a slightly smaller crowd yeah. and we don't have quite the same access there's only 4 million of us over here yeah. but you have Manuka honey oh, of course we do Yes, <laughs> uh, real, genuine Manuka honey yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, and we probably pay half what you do yeah I know, I, I recommend Manuka honey <laughs> to all my clients, I think it's amazing it's, it's yeah. antiviral, it kills viruses yeah. too yeah, so you know, here's the thing, nature's provided everything you know, really, in the end, and uh, and and the problem is, I think that we've become very disconnected with uh, with with our natural roots. You know, um, there, there's been things have just been too production line, too industrialized. You know, yeah. yep, we've just lost sight of uh, what we should be doing with our food and how we should be eating. We've been spoiled like crazy. Yeah, uh, I think one of the worst things we've ever done as a little aside, is made medicines for children taste good. Yeah. Okay? It should all taste like rancid cod liver oil. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, medicines should not taste like sweets. We're giving, we're giving kids the wrong idea. Mm -hmm. Absolutely the wrong idea. Yeah. It should be bloody awful. Yeah. So you only take medicines when you absolutely have to take it. Yeah. And, and and for all the rest, it's all about uh, stress management and uh, excellent nutrition. So if someone yeah. uh, is diagnosed with Epstein-Barr, so you recommend yeah. they get a hair mineral analysis, and is there anything else that you recommend they do to, to re reduce uh, outbreaks or reduce damage to their body? Um, uh, rest, they, uh, especially if they're trying to be active, athletic. One of the things is that um, uh, if somebody has got uh, has got Epstein Barr virus in them, we can assume that their liver is not working as efficiently as it should. When one exercises or under a lot of stress or eating um, 
toxic foods, their liver is, or taking medications, uh, their liver is less efficient than the person next to them at uh, detoxifying. Mm-hmm. So uh, they may need to uh, moderate their exercise just a little bit. They might need to plan in more recovery time than normal. Uh, and they need to be more particular about the foods they eat. They may need to eat blander, more nutrient-rich foods and be very cautious when it comes to medication. uh, All medications, in the end, have to be processed by the liver. And many of these medications are very difficult for the liver to process. So, uh, so it's it's very much uh, adopting a healthy lifestyle, um, being careful to avoid pollutants. Oh, and oh, by the way, um, you did um, sweating, saunas. Yeah, that is also another way of bypassing the liver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, it comes down to availability. The most available saunas that I have is the sweet, the Swedish or Finnish sauna. It's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, you know, uh, you know when somebody's toxic. I, I used to, um, you know, when when you've got somebody who is unhealthy, and you get them to sweat, they will literally dissolve the clothes off their back. The the sweat is so toxic. Yeah. Yep. Gym machinery, the chrome the powder coating will dissolve in the toxicity of their acid sweat. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wow, I haven't heard that. (laughs) Yeah. Some people, when they sweat for the first time, it smells like a sewer. Yeah. 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 Um, As a person uh, becomes healthier, detoxifies, the sweat becomes more like just lightly salted water. I know. My sweat smells like a rose. <laughs> not like not exactly, <laughs> no. but yeah. But I it's yeah. I think hi, yeah. uh, the the hyperthermia the the treatment with infrared saunas is, is so effective for viruses because heat kills off viruses. It induces a faux fever in your body that will kill off any kind of virus, bacteria, fungus, mold, etc. Yes. So you have um, you have a, a double benefit there. Uh, one is that uh, raising body temperature is a means of killing pathogens, which love to be basically in cool, dark, damp areas of the body. And if you think of, uh, yes, so that's one of the most common mechanisms. By the way, incidentally, just a little aside, uh, menopausal night sweats in men as well as women are uh, are often attributed to being hormonal. However, in an adrenally exhausted person, the only time when the body has the energy to generate a fever may be when one is resting in the uh, uh, while while in bed asleep. Now, um, so one of the things that again this is gets into the where you know a, an experienced clinician needs. You know, the differential diagnosis, you know, uh, we can zero in and say you're having menopausal night sweats. Maybe she is, 
but also maybe she's got a chronic low-grade infection mm-hmm. yeah. as well. And uh, so to treat the night sweats, there may need to be uh, nutritional approaches to hormonal balancing, but also infection control. Mm-hmm. If, uh, so if, if only one is done, there will be uh, a poor result overall. So looking for the markers for a uh, for infection on the hair tissue test can be very important. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll, we'll get on to this, uh, the bacterial infection thing in a moment. I, yeah. I hope we're going okay for time, Wendy. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm notorious for getting sidetracked. No, that's okay. No, there, you, you, have, uh, you have a vast knowledge. We want to hear it. We want to know. That's why we're listening uh, to the podcast. Well, uh, um, <laughs> I, I hope it's, uh, it may be fast, but I hope it's reasonably accurate. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So when so yeah. say, yeah. Uh, what are some of the signs that people have uh, if they have Epstein-Barr that should prompt them to go to the doctor to get a test for the virus? Yes. Um, well, again, the, the hair tissue test, is the, it's, it's so good for picking up the telltale. Well, not just telltale, but the overt signs of a subclinical infection. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the usual blood tests, by the way, uh, usually don't show anything. Uh, for a start, reference ranges as to what's normal. Uh, I, I look at them and I don't always follow, you know, the, the the norm on the on the blood tests. Partly because if you take like thyroid, uh, I don't know how it's done over, over in the states, but in New Zealand, uh, the 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 reference ranges are based on the averages. Yeah, same now, same here. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, when we do a hair tissue test, at least 80% of the people I test have got um, suboptimal thyroid function. Their thyroids are struggling a little bit, and some uh, badly, of course. Okay, So it means that uh, the measures for norms are being skewed down further and further. So what might be regarded as normal, I may consider to be unhealthy. Uh, so, for a start, the blood tests can can be interesting, but we mustn't just simply look at reference ranges. We've got to, again, look at um, uh, the person. So, so if somebody's got a, a chronic viral infection or has had a severe viral infection, they're almost always a slow oxidizer. In fact, they are. Okay, so slow oxidizer is the first thing. And then we will see, of course, um, uh, the elevated copper or the hidden copper. That's the other thing that we look for. Then we send them away for blood tests and, uh, and including uh, looking for the Epstein-Barr virus antibodies. Now, bear in mind that most people might come back with it with a uh, positive test. Uh, the other thing to look for is to look and see whether there are any hints of liver dysfunction. And again, it'll be subclinical. That there's not going to be any double A's or triple A's against liver function tests. Yeah. But again, we're looking for little telltale hints that something might begin a little bit on the high side or a bit on the low side. Yeah, and Just, you can tell by the sodium to potassium ratio. If, if, and if, that's, sodium. if that's really low, you can tell someone has liver stress. Yes, that's, that's right. So we look for all look for all of those patterns, and and you look at symptoms. If they've got a history, often they'll say, "Yeah, I had my tonsils out." 
And by the way, often they'll have their tonsils out before they have um, they before they recall having had glandular fever. Um, so you look for a constant history of um, of viral infections, sore throats, tonsillitis, um, sinusitis. Um, they'll often have a history of yeast and fungal infections. Yeast and fungal infections and viruses, you can say they're almost the same family. You know, they're cousins. Yeah. They love each other. Yeah, so yeah. we have chronic viral infections. They will have gut dysbiosis of all kinds. And, you know, what came first, you know, the gut dysbiosis or the antibiotics, you can't tell. But, hey, you know, um, oh, so sorry, I should have mentioned as well, I always treat the gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got to, yeah. So probiotics, um, uh, uh, nourishing the digestive tract with things like uh, glutamine and uh, digestive aids, uh, things, uh, by the way, just giving, um, uh, increasing the salt intake helps with uh, the production of uh, healthy stomach acid. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, liver support, pancreatic support, and so on. So all of that are most important. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely essential. Yeah, healing the gut. You know, um, it's interesting, you know, the um, gut dysbiosis, acne and depression, they go together. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, Gary, uh, well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I yeah. so appreciate it. But I have a, a, you're not off the hook yet. I have a question I like to ask all of my guests. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? God. Um, well, uh, we can talk about political. I think the capturing of nutrition and medicine by big business, the capitalization yeah. of, uh, of medicine and health, and uh, with the result that I think we're, we are completely losing sight of the fundamentals of what it is to be healthy human beings. That would be the number one thing, is that big business has taken over. And and I, I would say that's the number one health issue. Then, uh, it, of course, all cascades down to malnutrition. I think that, uh, and you just need to look at these uh, hair tissue analyses to see that all of us are falling into states of metabolic chaos due to mineral imbalances and mineral deficiencies and related deficiencies to do with the way that we have uh, destroyed our food chain through industrialization. And we need to get back to basics. We need to just understand that everything that we need in order to be healthy and vital right through to a very ripe age, uh, it's all there before us. And um, and we don't need to be going out searching right out there for the this technological solution. It's all here. Yeah, we need minerals. We need Absolutely. Lots of minerals. Yeah, and the right balance. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Well, can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Oh, all they have to do is Google Gary Moller and your health question. So, what you might do is you might. Uh, Google Gary Moller sore feet (laughs) or Gary Moller uh, statins. That's a good one to have a look at. Yeah. You know, um, cholesterol lowering drugs. 
Because you yeah, have so, 2,000 articles on your website. I've got a huge, huge number. You've got uh, a big I'm website. I'm in the process, by the way, of building a brand new website. I looked at your website and I thought, oh, my God, these Americans, you know, they're always <laughs> so fresh. You know, my gosh, I've got to keep up with you. As capitalist pigs. <laughs> I we know. love our marketing. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. You know, where America goes, we go. Yeah. You know, so, hey, your website, I looked at it and I thought, wow, I'm going to have to do the same. Yeah. Uh, it's, by the way, I'd already started, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just greasing up to you. Yeah, okay? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gary, yeah, so, thank you so much for coming on the show. I so appreciate it. Well, it's a, it's an absolute pleasure, Wendy, and you look so healthy. Well, thank you. Hey, I work really hard at it. Work really, really hard at it. It's amazing. I've spent so many years destroying my health. <laughs> oh, I, I was able to turn it around and improve. Uh, I had a horrible diet most of my life, and uh, I just found hair mineral analysis. And I was working on my health well before that, but when I found hair mineral analysis, that's when I, I really hit my stride and really started getting my energy and health back. Well, Wendy, I am absolutely astonished at your productivity. Oh. Now, is that one of the one of the things? Sorry, I know you got to finish, but let me just say one thing. At around about 50 years of age, I would sit at my computer and I would go, it was a dark, rainy night. (laughs) Yeah. Now, here's the thing which I find astonishing. I can sit down and I can go on my typewriter, okay? I just... I just bang away. Yeah, it's amazing how I, I, I used to just go for weeks where I couldn't write anything. It was like I just had this. And it was just stuck. Yeah, I had and, the same thing before yeah. I found hair mineral analysis. I'd started my blog prior to finding hair mineral analysis, and I took three weeks to write my article on manuka honey. <laughs> three weeks. But I re- I did a lot of research. I should have got 20- a, you should have got me to write it for you. <laughs> exactly. Okay? But yeah, now but- it takes me. I can do an article in thirty thirty yeah. to sixty minutes because uh, my yeah. brain is just it's on fire because I have better mineral status. Yes. Well, like you know, I think you know, like with this mineral balancing, getting rid of that calcium out of the out of the soft out of the brain and all that sort of thing, as it lifts the brain fog. Yeah. And yes, the productivity goes up. And that's one of the things that, you know, has a, uh, I've just really enjoyed about, uh, you know, meeting you is that you are actually a live wire. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> You're not sort of groping through the mists of time. Yeah. 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 Well, thank hey, you. I'll take that okay. as a compliment. I'm a live wire. Yes, of course. Okay, thank you very much. Well, thank you much. So, thank you so much, Gary. And stay tuned one second. Listeners, if you want to check out my website, go to live2110.com. You can check out my healing and detox program using hair mineral analysis, mineralpower.com, and my new online health program that teaches you the basics of diet and lifestyle and detoxification at bodybiorehab.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. <laughs> 